Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for tuning in to The Hen House, the one podcast pre-recorded live in front of a canned studio audience. And here's your host, Jazz Chicken! Hello, 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 hello. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. But before we get into the, our second podcast, this is our second one. Uh, before we get into it, a huge round of applause for the Brazilian dancers. Yes. Thank you. Amazing. Wonderful women. So beautiful. Oh, my God. It's so gorgeous. And how they did those things in front of the microphone. Oh, you should have seen it. Just amazing. <laughs> it wasn't imaginary at all. Shut up. So, what can you expect in today's pod? Today we're going to be talking about my dreams. Have you ever had messed up dreams? Have you ever had confusing dreams or bizarre dreams or scary dreams? Then let me know. Go on to the Discord and let me know or go on to the Reddit or on the Twitters. Let me know your bizarre dreams because I always, 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 always have messed up dreams. My dreams... Uh, tend to always be vivid, which means that when I'm seeing it, it feels like I'm actually there. Um, I know I'm dreaming, though, because one, I can't really control what I'm doing sometimes. I have learned to control most of my dreams, but lately um, I've mostly just been letting them play out just to see what happens. Um, The only times now that I tend to control my dreams is if I feel a nightmare coming on, Um, I'm able to stop nightmares from happening, so I haven't really had a nightmare in a very long time, like years and years and years and years. Um, The way I, I may as well get into it, the way I started to control my dreams, I mentioned this previously on Big Timmy's House um, in one of his earlier episodes. If you go check out Big Timmy's House, you can see all of the uh, pods we did there also about my messed up dreams so I'll try not to repeat the same dreams that I've done with Big Timmy so then you can go over there and you can check them out and see whatever weird stuff has happened <laughs> and trust me they're pretty messed up um, but my the way I learned to control my dreams to begin with um, I was having I was a young age I can't remember what age I was though um, I think it was between either six and seven or something like that we owned a ginger boxer dog at the time called Teo. And uh, in this recurring nightmare that I had, um, that I would leave my bedroom and in on the landing or in the, the hallway, uh, it was upstairs, um, Teo would just attack me and he was like some kind of hellhound, this demon dog, and just ravage me and just rip me apart. And... It kept happening. It was the exact same dream as well. And the exact same thing happened all the time. And eventually I got so fed up with it that I actually forced myself to punch him in the face. (laughs) And then he ran away and I never had that dream again. So I was like, oh, I actually did what I wanted to do. Um, So then I started to try and concentrate a bit more and try to at first notice that I'm dreaming to actually pay attention to what's happening in my dream because the the stronger um, consciousness I guess I have in my dream the better chance I have at controlling it so I, I guess another way of explaining it is the the more I know that I'm dreaming 
rather than just allowing all these images to flash in front of my eyes and then I just wake up and don't, don't think anything of it. Um, so I was actually trying to pay more attention to what was going on this time. And once I started doing that, I then started getting more nightmares. I don't know why, but I was getting a lot more nightmares frequently then. And I was trying to find a way to wake myself up from a nightmare. And uh, this also helped because at that time of age, you tend to, kids normally wet the bed. <laughs> we've all done it. There's nothing to be ashamed of or embarrassed about it. We've all wet the bed at some point. Um, so this tactic also helped me to stop wetting the bed. So it might be something that's useful to you guys. Who knows? You know? Um, but in order to wake myself up from nightmares, I had to force myself to blink. And when I'm dreaming, I can blink naturally. But if I really focus on actually trying to make myself blink, it was as if the dream did not want me to blink. It was fighting against me. And I was there just going, oh, come on, close your eyes. Just blink before you die. <laughs> and the moment I blink, I wake up and I'm lying in my bed and I'm fine. And it got to a point that when I saw myself about to go to the toilet in a dream, because that's what normally happens. If you're going to the toilet in a dream, you're pissing yourself <laughs> in real life. <laughs> I kind of learned that one. In a dream, if you find yourself needing a wee and you wee up against the wall or on the loo or whatever, you tend to find that you've actually, you know, done your business <laughs> in real life. So I cottoned onto this, and then I thought, okay, what if I use the same tactic and try and force myself to blink, um, or try and just get myself to wake up the moment I get this feeling, or I see myself actually want like unzipping his trousers to wee up against the wall, and it worked. It woke me up. I didn't wet the bed, and I would be bursting for the loo. So I'll go to the loo, go back into bed, and have a completely different dream. So there we go. That's a brief mention there. Um, but let's get into the dream that I had. This is a very, very, very recent one. I had this last night, actually. I woke up at six. I was telling myself, right, I need to start focusing on my dreams again um, and start remembering them so I can jot them down. Because this is one of the things I was talking about in the previous podcast that I want to find a niche. And mythology is definitely one I want to keep on doing and keep on touching on because that's something I'm interested in. And dreams, my messed up dreams. This is something that can either not happen for a long time or frequently happen. So I can easily rack up a dream diary for future podcasts. And I've already got a lot of dreams that I haven't mentioned in Big Timmy's house. Um, so we've, we've got a lot of material already. Um, but in this dream, and remember these are all very vivid, and they, they always say that in dreams you cannot read in a dream uh, you don't dream in color. It's black and white. Um, I think there's, there's, I think there's a few others that you can't do. I think you can't really sing. I think, I think that was one of them. Um, but I know the seeing in color and the reading was apparently is something you cannot do. I can, and I've known a lot of other people that can that always dream in color. They never dream in black and white. So I'm not sure where that myth came from. Um, but when it comes to reading, it's come and go. Sometimes when I try to read something, it's just garbled gobbledygook, and other times it is actually words. Um, only I'm not paying too much attention to it, so I don't 
quite remember what the writing says. If I actually try to pay attention to it, it then just becomes really garbled as as if as, as if I've got like dream dyslexia. <laughs> it's bizarre. <laughs> but I can sometimes read. Um, singing and saying what I want are very difficult in a dream because again you're controlling yourself and you're trying to say what you want to say so therefore the dream now has to respond to what you wanted to say rather than having it like a like a movie or a preset script <laughs> that your brain had set up you're now questioning it and it's like ah I didn't I didn't prepare for this I now have to improvise for this dream <laughs> will this mess up the story and then it will just wake me up. It will go, right, screw it. <laughs> Cancel the dream. <laughs> wake him up. <laughs> he decided to change the script. <laughs> like, oh, come on. So anyway, this this dream that I had, um, it started off uh, where I was in this... It felt like kind of real, but also not. It was It was almost like I was living a video game. And uh, we were going around this tower block that was still under construction. So there's a big construction site. There's kind of skeleton of a tower block. It had floors, um, but they had you could still see the steel beams. There weren't much walls around. Like uh, maybe I think there was only walls on one side of the tower block. The other side hadn't been done yet. Um, and we were going around, and I, I think we were. I wasn't inside the tower block. I was going around the outside, so I don't know if I was on some kind of helicopter or something, or I was just magically flying, but there were people trying to escape, and these people... I wouldn't... I don't want to say they were normal people. <laughs> there was something wrong with them. Like, I don't know, that they were monsters or something, or, they, they, or demonic or possessed. They weren't ordinary people trying to escape, um, but they were trying to run out of this tower block and I would have to blow them up using bombs or some other type of explosive or like I don't know some big plasma gun or something I can't quite remember that bit but I, I remember blowing people up trying to run away run out of this construction site um, then we hit into stage two where I was actually going through the tower block almost parkour um, you know, jumping over ledges and stuff and bouncing along over, I don't know, still beams and jumping down. Um, and I had to catch, like, I want to, it looked like acid, but it wasn't acid. It was kind of, and I want to, I want to say sewage, but it wasn't sewage. <laughs> it was like just really green, dirty water with bits floating in it. <laughs> but it didn't smell or anything. I think probably just because it was a video game. And I was running around with a bucket doing parkour and just trying to catch all the dirty liquid as it poured out of different locations. But what was bizarre is that I would catch it in the bucket to score points and then just throw it on the floor anyway <laughs> to empty the bucket so then I can catch another one. <laughs> so I wasn't exactly keeping the place clean or helping it. I was just catching it randomly and throwing it on the floor. I don't know what that was about. So from that point onwards, the dream cut like almost like a TV show or or like a film where it would just cut from one location location to the next. So I was now in a bungalow and I had many different 
types of cats around me. <laughs> and it, I seemed to be at like some kind of house party or something. And there, there wasn't many people there, but there were a lot of cats. And some of the cats uh, were fighting in the garden area. So I went over and I knew this cat specifically was a bit of a crazy cat. And if I tried to pick it up with my bare hands, it would probably rip me apart. So I wore a glove and then picked up the cat. So it started to try and bite my hand, but it didn't. So it didn't, you know, I was wearing a glove, so it didn't really bother me. <laughs> I took it in, I calmed it down and stroked it and then put it back onto the floor where it just curled up on a bed and fell asleep. Um, there was one cat when I went down into the sitting room area. Um, the one of the there was another cat. Yeah, it, this one was also kind of hissing and getting all leery with another one, um, and it was strange because it was like a dark blue cat. <laughs> it was old. It was an old dark blue cat, and it had Parkinson's because <laughs> the cat was always shaking. <laughs> so I was like, okay. So I would take this cat, and I, I knew that this cat wasn't as violent as the last one. So I would pick up this cat as it was kind of shaking a little bit and you know, stroked it and put it down. Um, I was fascinated with the weird blue color. I don't know what that was about. The floor wasn't carpeted. It was all um, like wooden floors, so it wasn't like it was a lino or anything. It was actually proper wood, um, proper wooden floors. Um, it was more of a darker brown than a light brown. And then under the table in the sitting room, the table was right up against the wall. So normally you'd see the table in the center, like in front of the sofa and by the TV. But this table was right up against the wall. It was almost treated like it was a dining room table. And um, it had a chair either side of it, but not in the middle section. Um... And it was like a table long enough to hold, um, I guess, as a, against the wall, it would have held four chairs. So one either side and then two in the middle. And if obviously if you pulled it out, you could probably hold another two on the other side. Uh, but under the table, so I want to specify this because I dream in detail and I want to point out the detail. Because if any of you can interpret dreams, please let me know. I bought books on to to interpret dreams, but these books are terrible because they don't interpret dreams. <laughs> I was like, what's the point in this bollocks? One of them is the Dictionary of Dreams, and it's not a Dictionary of Dreams, it's just some guy going, I believe this, and blah, 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 blah. I'm not actually going to tell you what your dreams mean, but blah, 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 aren't I clever? And you're like, oh, go away. And another one, which is by Fraud who's meant to be the best dream book ever. It was rated number one as the dream interpretations thing. And again, it didn't interpret dreams. It just it was just him waffling on about something. And I'm like, are you going to interpret the dreams or not? <laughs> this was a waste of money. I'll throw this book in the bin. Anyway, under the table, <laughs> there was a black fluffy cat. Um, and it was just looking at me. It wasn't aggressive or anything. It was just sitting there kind of curious and looking as I put the blue cat down. Um, so I made eye contact with the black cat and I did what I normally sometimes do as a greeting to cats. I actually go, meow. I do actually do that and they respond. Majority of the time cats respond when I do that. <laughs> I look at a cat in the eye, I gent with gentle eyes. I don't look aggressively at it. <laughs> I just look at the 
cat casually and just say meow and normally the cat goes meow <laughs> i normally get a response back and that's what happened in the dream i went meow to the cat and the cow went meow and then walked out towards me as if to say oh hello you you want to talk to me you're gonna give me fuss you're gonna give me food um and as it stepped out from under the table its fur changed from fluffy to slender so it's as if like the fur got a little bit shorter and um it was no longer poofy, it was more just sleek and slender, um, still black. Uh, so I laid down on the floor just basically to get to the cat's height, because if you do that with cats, they obviously appreciate more. They don't. Animals don't tend to like you towering over them. They don't like you. They don't like looking up at you most of the time. And obviously, sometimes they're okay with it, but you get a better response if you go down to their level. Um, and so I laid on the floor, and the cat became even more friendly, and it was stroking and petted it, and rubbed its head against me. Um, and then a weird twist kind of happened within the dream, because at some point some guy came in in shirt and jeans and started shooting everyone in the party. <laughs> so people were being murdered by this guy, and he had very short hair, um, Kind of like a buzz cut. Um, but he came in and started shooting every. His clothes weren't baggy. He wasn't like typical gangster or anything. Or wannabe gangster. He was just came in, in. And it wasn't like a a work shirt. I'm talking about like a polo shirt or something. Where it just had a few buttons at the top that were undone. Um, so he had a, bit, a little bit of his chest poking out. Um, and obviously dark, kind of dark blue jeans. Um, and he started shooting everyone. Uh, as that was happening, I played dead by the sofa. All the cats ran away. Uh, I played dead by the sofa. Um, I didn't try to be a hero. <laughs> and the sofa at this point had another sofa beside it, which was a bit strange. So say if you're sitting on your sofa now and you're, you're looking forward, to the left of you will be the back of another sofa but it's not facing inwards, it's facing outwards. So the person would sit down with his back to you. That's the best way I can describe it. So I was kind of lying behind that sofa, playing dead there. Um, at some point, the guy was wounded. I don't know how, but he was wounded. Maybe he a bullet ricocheted and caught him. <laughs> I don't know. He shot himself, maybe. And he was laying down on this sofa on the other side, um, so he didn't see me. Uh, but I knew he was there, and he was trying to catch his breath. Somehow his gun was on my side, um, and I knew that I could easily finish him off either like by shooting over the sofa or even if I shot through the sofa because I knew roughly where he was. And I thought, yeah, I can finish him off, but I chose not to. I chose to not kill him, and instead I removed the magazine from the gun, and then I emptied the the chamber to get rid of the the one bullet that was loaded in there thinking yeah that will show him <laughs> and then i gave him his gun back <laughs> i was unsure what happened after that but i know that <laughs> i refused to have sex with him <laughs> yes yes people yes canned audience i refused to have sex with him <laughs> I don't know why why that even came into it, but it did. Um, I was then in 
um, so the dream then just cut, and I was now in a ravine or like a cavern. Um, I was this wasn't in a cave. I'm trying to think of the word, but I can't think of the word. Um, try ravine might be the correct word. I'm just I can't think straight at this moment in time. Think Lion King, where the stampede of wildebeests is chasing after Simba. It was that type of thing. Um, so we were in there, and I had this guy with me. Um, we were in a, like a mountainous area. There's, the floor was just kind of deserty dirt floor. Uh, it was sunny and very hot. And for some reason, I was smashing piles of red crystals with my fists. And um, sometimes I would use little bombs as well, uh, which would drop smaller shards like um, you would normally get in video games. So if you were to break something, it would then spawn a few little tiny crystals and then they would magnetize towards you and then bling, disappear, and then it would end up in a counter somewhere. So I'm like almost back in a video game at this point. <laughs> the crystals float towards me and vanish as if I've collected it. I became tired, so I fell asleep and then I woke up with the weird creepy guy beside me, who was also asleep. We had our clothes on, so nothing happened. Um, why are you ring that? <laughs> I don't want anything to happen. <laughs> um, when I woke up and I saw him there, I felt very disgusted by him, so I got up and um, randomly continued mining. It was then the whole area faded into a lush green park. So it was like a, a crossfade. Um... And suddenly all the dust and kind of sandy, patchy dirt was now green in this parky area. Some of the mountain and side, mountain sides was now trees. Other mountain, the, the other side of the ravine or cavern kind of just vanished and became... It was like a giant pub garden or like a, the grounds to a mansion where you had beautiful flowers and nice lush green garden area. So in this garden area as well, there was like little, um, I guess, designed areas um, where they had put up, I want to say like a like totems or it was some kind of carving of de or design. They were trying to obviously make the garden look pretty. Um, and there was this section that was kind of like a tree house, but they had no house. It had more of the steps and the platforms. It was all open. Um, and there was like, I guess, a little seating area at the top. It was like an open plan <laughs> treehouse, <laughs> I guess. Like a decking on a tree. Um, at this point, somehow I knew we, we were now in a murder mystery. <laughs> Someone, both of my parents had died. And I'm no longer a man. I'm a woman at this point with blonde hair. <laughs> And I'm trying to solve the mystery of who killed my parents. <laughs> and um, so as I... Oh, yes. And in the park, I also had my sister with me as well. We were both adults. We were not children. Uh, we're probably in our late 20s. I think, she, I think she was the younger child. I was the elder child. And I climbed up the tree that had the wooden steps on it. And also that open landing area. Um when on the top of it there were kind of three i want to say alcoves or podiums um along the side of it so the tree between the branches and the branches were spread wide enough apart um 
there was like this, uh, I don't know. You know how you see um, either, I think it's either China or Japan or something. You see like the, the stones piled up on top of each other as if it was like a, it was put there in remembrance of someone who had passed. Um, it's like almost a grave almost. It was kind of like that, but with chunks of wood, like wooden circular slabs, as if it, you just cut down a tree and you just cut it into slices. And they had these slices of wood, wood or tree piled up on top of each other. Um, only these things had looked like it had been there for some, some time. It had been there for a long time. It hadn't been looked after. And the, in the first alcove bit, there was maybe like, I don't know, five or... I'm trying to think on the thickness, to how to explain this. They were quite chunky, as if, I don't know, the size of a full sandwich. <laughs> it's difficult to explain. And you maybe had, I don't know, eight of them piled on top of each other. So the first one had kind of toppled over forward slightly, but there were branches covering the um, the alcove a bit so it didn't fall out. It was leaning on branches, whereas normally the branches wouldn't be there. And then you had the second one where the pile of wood was there. It was leaning forward, but it hadn't toppled, and there were no branches to hold it up. And in front of the second alcove, there were almost like wires, like metal wires put there and tied up or twisted and tied round. Um, it's, it's like what you'd see those garden wires where they had that gr dark green protective, I don't know, plastic around it, um, but you can like bend it how you want. It looked like it, it was that. And um, towards the top, as it was bending around the alcove, they had made the the letter L a heart shape, and it was either the letter R or M. I think that was to symbolize my mum and dad, even though my mum and dad... Oh, actually, wow, thinking about that, that might have been an M then, because, yes, my mum's first name begins with an L, and my dad's first name begins with an M. Oh, my God, I never actually realised that. I think that's what it was. Oh, how creepy. How creepy is that? So yeah, on top. <laughs> so you had that there, and then on top of the slabs of wood was a was a ring. Um, again, it all looked like it had been there for some time. Um, the ring was dirty. It had like moss growing on the inside of the ring. It was all a little bit muddy. Um, it had been there for a very long time. Um, so I, as I picked it up. Um, and I rubbed some of the dirt off of the ring. The, the wood then kind of toppled over um, and fell off. It didn't fall off completely. Though. I managed to catch it before it did fall off and put it, kind of lean it back. I had to just kind of rejig the uh, slabs. Um, as I rubbed the ring, um, I noticed it kind of revealed uh, a carving or an embossed like head on the center of the ring it was almost like a bearded man wearing like a crown or something on his head um and somehow i recognize this as a wedding ring I'm not sure why um and for some reason by wearing it i thought it might reveal a clue to the murder like i'll get a vision or something <laughs> um but when i put the ring on 
I put it on my middle finger and not the actual wedding, the marriage finger. I put it on my middle finger um, and it dislodged some of the moss. And when I did that, I started to hear like this weird squeaking insect sound. It wasn't like a natural, it wasn't like a squeaking mouse or anything. It was just like some weird squeaking creature. The only best way I could describe it as an insect <laughs> squeaking. Um, so I was like, oh, that doesn't sound right. So I took the ring off and I saw like this leech thing reaching for my hand in, in amongst the, the moss and dirt in the ring. And also a small spider started to crawl around the ring on it, which then made me go, ah! <laughs> and I dropped the ring. And the ring fell off the tree and landed in the grassy floor below. Um... I then climbed down the tree to pick up the ring once I, you know, got my composure back. Um, and for some reason, the ring was—it felt like it was made out of plastic. And I could have sworn I thought it looked white, but I know the color changed later on as well. My sister came over asking what I found, and um, the ring started to make a horrible noise again—that same squeaking noise. And I saw the leech and louse or something crawl out of it. Um, which then caused me to go again <laughs> for a second time, dropping it in the in. It wasn't in a grassy patch this time. This this was like your normal, how you would see in some parks. You'll see like a dirt patch, um, and it was all dry, so it wasn't wet mud. It was dry mud. I dropped it there, and um, when I dropped it, I was like, oh, for God's sake! And then I went to pick it back up, and I saw this centipede. A small centipede, it wasn't huge, but it was a small centipede kind of crawl over and go into, go onto the ring. And I, I was like, oh my god, that's disgusting. So I tried to flick it, but also at the same time I didn't want to touch it. <laughs> so I was like, oh, doing this weird, awkward flick on the centipede. And the centipede just wasn't having it. He wanted to go on the ring. And then I noticed that the centipede started to eat the crap off the ring. It was eating the insects, it ate the leech, it ate all the moss, it just cleaned the ring and just ate all of the crap that was on it and then crawled away so i was like oh <laughs> thank you very much <laughs> i guess cheers for that um when i picked up the ring this time now it was fully clean i saw that it was made of white gold it was a white golden ring with the embossed bearded man's face on it wearing a crown or something um and as i picked it up a marriage solicitor appeared out of nowhere, but I was too focused looking at the ring. I didn't actually look at them. And I knew that this marriage solicitor was actually Judge Judy. However, her voice was Sharon Osbourne. <laughs> because reasons. I don't know. Um... I then learnt in a vision that I had at that precise moment uh, that my mother... So I had a vision of my mother and father uh, boarding a boat at a docks. She was pregnant with a third child. It was either a brother or sister. I didn't know. Um, and it was that moment that they were murdered and they drowned on the boat. So I'd like to think the boat sank. It would be a bit weird if they drowned on the boat if it didn't sink. <laughs> I didn't. I can't remember seeing the boat sinking, but I know they drowned on the boat somehow. I don't know how. Um, and then I woke up, and that was the dream. That was the uh, bizarre dream I had, <laughs> and that was good time as well.
Um, so now we can move on to some of our other stuff. But yeah, that's the type of dreams I have. So if you have any messed up dreams of your own, you have any bizarre dreams, scary dreams, any type of dreams, even the boring ones, please let me know because I'm I am legitimately fascinated by dreams. I I believe they have no meaning. I don't believe dreams have a meaning whatsoever. They're not telling you anything in the future. They're not telling you anything about yourself. It's just a bunch of garbled images and messages that your brain puts together and I just sit back and enjoy the show. <laughs> it's just a free movie your brain comes up with every night. That's all I see a dream to be. So, if you'd like to share them with us, then head over to Discord on HTTPS, uh, the double dots, I need to actually Google what they're called, forward slash forward slash discord.gg forward slash capital C sky W capital S eight. And uh, that is HTTPS double dot forward slash forward slash discord dot GG forward slash capital C sky W capital S eight. And you can join us there um, and share all your wonderful, fascinating dreams. I'm definitely looking forward to it. Or you could also head over to Twitter at uh, jazzchicken87. Um, and I'm still yet to make the Reddit page. So keep your eyes and ears open. I don't know why you keep your eyes open for that because this is a this is a podcast. You can't see anything, <laughs> but keep them open anyway. <laughs> now it's at that point in the in the street in the, in the stream. See, I'm so used to saying in the stream now <laughs> when I was streaming. No, it's that point in the pod where we now head over to improv news. Good evening. You're listening to Improv News. I'm Johnny Cumdon. Tonight's news. We decide to go with the previous podcast's example of John Cena golfing in Paris. And we have Valencia, Spain, sex with a vegetable. For those of you at home that are hard of hearing, this news report will be sign interpreted. Tomorrow night, between the hours of 9 and 10 a.m. in uh, Paris at the Golf de Fontainebleau, um, a family by the name of the McMahons were happily golfing there when they saw a terrible sight. John Cena was reported to be seen there, but naked on top of a, <laughs> of a giant windmill, shouting, You can't see me. Mr. McMahon had... Uh, hit his golf ball at that point, scoring a hole-in-one in John Cena's ass. <laughs> and then was reported to start screaming, duh, 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 duh. <laughs> it was a terrible scene that caused many complaints and even a riot had formed. Police are on the scenes to stop the riot and make sure that John Cena is fully clothed. Um, but as they did, it became a hell in a cell. You say potato, I say rape. A rape allegation was placed against two vegetables earlier today in Valencia, Spain. A uh, potato had been reported to be raping a tomato. <laughs> and it wasn't very appealing. <laughs> Uh, we head over to Dal Dalabulagari Yumakarana. 
for <laughs> for the interview in Valencia. Thank you, Johnny Comdon. Hello, uh, Miss Miss Tomato. So, um, thank you for joining us. I know it's a very terrible occasion here that you've been having, but uh, what exactly happened? That sounds absolutely tragic, Mr. Miss Tomato. Um, so you say that the the potato in a fit of rage after having a brief argument on how to pronounce tomato and or tomato and potato and potato he you you say he lost his mind hmm yes hmm well, Miss Tomato, I'm, I, I agree with you. No one in the world says potato. So why he freaked out, we'll have no idea. Well, there you have it. The tomato who is mentally disturbed after such a horrific event that occurred uh, where a potato so fit full of rage after saying that the word potato does exist, and people do say it, raped the tomato or tomato. Back to you in the studio, Johnny Comdon. Thank you, Dal.Dodobolagera.Yemakadena. Well, that is all we have time for for tonight's news. It has been very difficult to improvise all of this. I've been Comdon. <laughs> Good night. There we go, there's our second <laughs> improv news. My god, man, that was difficult. I had to cut out so many pauses in that one because my mind kept going blank. I was panicking. I was like, oh my god. And it's a bit weird because I suppose I am out of practice. Um, but a good 10, maybe, oh no, it would be 13 years now. <gasps> Jeez, 13 years ago, I was actually part of an improv comedy group um, local to where I was. And it would tend to just come quite quick. It would quite snappy but uh, you can definitely tell i'm a bit rusty now <laughs> right now we're coming towards the end of the stream but we're going to do our first section of our fantasy podcast story it's not a sexual fantasy it is just normal fantasy the the genre or world that you're in is very much like lord of the rings you've got elves dwarves orcs that type of thing i love fantasy okay <laughs> well, we're gonna dive straight in so get your character sheets ready if you don't know what i'm talking about head over to the very first podcast and towards the end there will be rules um explaining uh how the game is played if you do need a reminder of the rules, then the timestamp you want for the first podcast is 18.3. That's 18.3 for the timestamp, and you will be set at the beginning of my explanation of the rules. I will give you um, just little reminders as we go through, because I probably could have explained it better, <laughs> but I'm not very good at explaining things most times. Um, but now we're going to head over. So get your character sheets ready. 
get your two dice ready, your two six-sided dice. And now I've got to put on my Dungeon Master voice. <laughs> so this is a story that I've been trying to do again. I did it once and really enjoyed it with an actual team of friends. It took us ages to actually get together to do it all. And then I tried to do it with... Uh, Big Timmy and Lady Giggles and a few other friends as well, but trying to get us all back together again turned into a nightmare. We didn't manage to get back together again for like years, and so I gave up on it. So now I'm bringing it back because I actually want to do it all the way through to the end. I've got another story planned. I've got I've got two other stories planned as well, uh, but I want to get through this one because I do like it. It's called Untold Legends to Stop the Unstoppable. And I was kind of playing on that idea of an unstoppable force and an immovable object. Um, kind of just playing loosely on that idea. Each player, whatever the circumstances, have crossed paths with each other. Even if you're by yourself, <laughs> you've crossed paths with yourself before. All with the same destination in mind. The Wandering Mountain. At this point, pause the podcast and give each other a backstory for your character, explaining your name, your race, and why you have come to the Wandering Mountain. I'm assuming you've now pressed play, because <laughs> I'm talking again. Now, there is a lot of distrust amongst each of you, even if it is by yourself. You don't trust yourself, <laughs> but you know that you can't go alone. They'll serve their purpose, you think to yourself. After a few days' travel, you arrive at the Wandering Mountain, aptly named by the rumors and tales people tell their children before bed. Tales say the mountain was once a giant who banished who was banished by his people for falling in love with a tribal girl. The tribe seeked only to make their bloodline stronger by giving birth to the first half-giant. Outcast and alone, it wandered the plains, seeking to mend its broken heart. Every few hundred years, it is said the mountain comes alive and moves to a different location, forever searching, forever alone. At the base of the mountain is a cave, narrow and crooked. It looks like there had been a landslide some time ago. You band together to move some boulders out the way, clearing a path wide enough for all of you to enter, including yourself, if you are playing by yourself. <laughs> Whatever your reason for going inside, you will soon discover something entirely different. Something time long forgot. Currently, you are deep within the wandering mountain, running for your lives as it collapses around you. Good luck. Each player at this point, running for their lives through the caverns that are collapsing around you, you are to make a skill check five times. If you fail the skill check, a rock has hit you, and you suffer one hit point for each failure. There is an item in a broken chest within this cavern that you notice along the way. Should you wish to search it, 
you must also make a luck check. Failure of the luck check, and another boulder hits you, this time for three hit points of damage. If you are lucky, roll one six-sided die. On a roll of a one, you find a used sock inside the chest. On a roll of a two, you find 25 gold coins. On a roll of a three or a four, you find two provisions. On a roll of a five, you find 50 gold coins. On a roll of a six, you find leather armor. This leather armor, when equipped, will reduce the enemy's skill by one in your next encounter. The armor does not degrade unless otherwise stated. Darting through the dark caverns as it crumbles around you, the sound of stone against stone rumbling through your ears and soul. Terror fills your body as you run through, but you manage to make it to the other side, entering a dark and gloomy chamber. The cave-in subsides behind you, blocking off your exit. There is no turning back. And that is where we shall leave off for today's part. As I mentioned previously in the first part, these will be short snippets of the story for each part as we go forward. So, how did you do? Let me know. How many rocks hit you? How much life are you already on at the beginning of this? <laughs> Remember, at this point now, you can use provisions if you wish to heal yourself. Uh, you can use a potion if you really need to. Either way, I hope you enjoyed that little story segment. Uh, there will be many more to come in uh, future podcasts. I'm enjoying it. I want to keep it going. Um, and again, please let me know. Give me your feedback and what you think, How, um, if there's any ideas or any tweaks to rules or so. I'm not. If it's just rules to make you invincible, then <laughs> you, I'm not going to put that in because <laughs> that would just make it silly. There's no challenge then. Um, but alas, it's that time again. I know, people, I know. It's that time again. We, we now have to wrap things up. But before we go, here is our random fact of the day. When people give you their name, they're just basically telling you what noise you have to make to grab their attention. Thank you for listening to The Hen House, everyone. Good night. Yeah.